are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page and be able to share your own thoughts and reflections about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 259. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 22, Paragraphs 671 to 677. 671. In order to find the places for the auger holes on the cross, the executioners haughtily commanded the Creator of the universe, O dreadful temerity, to stretch himself out upon it. The teacher of humility obeyed without hesitation, but they followed their inhuman instinct of cruelty, marked the places for the holes, not according to the size of his body, but larger, having in mind a new torture for their victim. The inhuman intent was known to the mother of light, and the knowledge of it was one of the greatest afflictions of her chastest heart during the whole passion. She saw through the intention of these ministers of sin, and she anticipated the torments to be endured by her beloved son, when his limbs should be wrenched from their sockets and being nailed to the cross. But she could not do anything to prevent it, as it was the will of the Lord to suffer these pains for men. When he rose from the cross and they set about boring the holes, the great lady approached and took hold of one of his hands, adoring him and kissing it with greatest reverence. The executioners allowed this because they thought that the sight of his mother would cause so much the greater affliction to the Lord. For they wished to spare him no sorrow they could cause him. But they were ignorant of the hidden mysteries. For the Lord, during his passion, had no greater source of consolation and interior joy than to see the soul of his most blessed mother, the beautiful likeness of himself, and the full fruits of his passion and death. This joy, to a certain extent, comforted Christ our Lord also in that hour. 672 Having bored the three holes into the cross, the executioners again commanded Christ the Lord to stretch himself out upon it, nor to be nailed to it. The supreme and almighty king, as the author of patience, obeyed, and at the will of the hangman, placed himself with outstretched arms upon the blessed wood. The Lord was so weakened, disfigured, and exhausted, that if the ferocious cruelty of these men had left the least room for natural reason and kindness— they could not have brought themselves to inflict further torments upon the innocent and meek lamb, humbly suffering such nameless sorrows and pains. But not so with them, for the judges and their executioners, O terrible and most hidden judgments of the Lord, 
were transformed in their malice and deathly hatred into demons, void of the feelings of sensible and earthly men, and urged on only by diabolical wrath and fury. 6.73 Presently, one of the executioners seized the hand of Jesus our Savior and placed it upon the auger hole, while another hammered a large and rough nail through the palm. The veins and sinews were torn, and the bones of the sacred hand which made the heavens and all that exists were forced apart. When they stretched out the other hand, they found that it did not reach up to the auger hole, for the sinews of the other arm had been shortened, and the executioners had maliciously set the holes too far apart, as I have mentioned above. In order to overcome the difficulty, they took the chain with which the Savior had been bound in the garden, and the looping one end through a ring around his wrist, they with an herd of cruelty pulled the hand over the hole and fastened it with another nail. Thereupon they seized his feet and placed them one above the other. They tied the same chain around both and stretched them with barbarous ferocity down to the third hole. Then they drove through both feet a large nail into the cross. Thus the sacred body in which dwelled the divinity was nailed motionless to the holy cross, and the handiwork of his deified members, formed by the Holy Ghost, was so stretched and torn asunder that the bones of his body dislocated and forced from their natural position could all be counted. The bones of his breast, of his shoulders and arms, and of his whole body yielded to the cruel violence and were torn from their sinews. 6.74 It is impossible for human tongue or words of mouth to describe the torments of our Savior Jesus and what he suffered on this occasion. On the last day alone, more will be known, in order that his cause may be justified before sinners, and the praise and exaltation of the saints may be so much the greater. But at present, while our faith in this truth gives us occasion and obliges us to apply our reason, if such we possess, I ask, implore, and beseech the children of the Holy Church, each one for himself, to study the most venerable sacrament. Let us contemplate it and weigh it with all its circumstances, and we shall find powerful motives to abhor and firmly resolve to avoid sin as the cause of all this suffering to the author of life. Let us contemplate and look upon his virgin mother, so afflicted in spirit and overwhelmed by the torments of her purest body, in order that through the gate of light we may enter to see the sun that illumines our heart. O mistress and queen of virtues, O true mother of this immortal king of ages, become man, it is true, O oh my lady, that the hardness of our ungrateful hearts makes us very unfit and unworthy of suffering thy pains, and those of thy most holy Son, our Lord. But through thy clemency make us partakers of this favor, which we do not deserve. Purify and free us from this deadening lukewarmness and gross neglect. If we are the cause of these sufferings, what propriety or what justice can there be in visiting them only on thee and on thy beloved? Let the chalice pass from the lips of the innocent in order that it may be tasted by the guilty who deserve it. But alas, where is our good sense? Where wisdom and knowledge? Where is the light of our eyes, who has so entirely deprived us of our understanding? Who has robbed us of our human and sensible hearts? If I, O Lord, had not received from thee this being according to thy image and likeness, if thou hadst not given me life and motion, if all the elements and creatures formed by thy hand for my service were not given me continual notice of thy immense love, at least thy being nailed so outrageously to the cross and all thy torments and sorrows for my salvation should have sufficed to draw me to thee with the bonds of compassion and gratitude, of love and confidence in thy ineffable kindness. 
But if so many voices cannot awaken me, if such love does not enkindle mine, if thy passion and death do not move me, if such great benefits cannot oblige me, what end shall I expect as the result of my foolishness? 675. After the Savior was nailed to the cross, the executioners judged it necessary to bend the points of the nails which projected through the back of the wood, in order that they might not be loosened and drawn out by the weight of the body. For this purpose they raised up the cross in order to turn it over, so that the body of the Lord would rest face downward upon the ground, with the weight of the cross upon him. This new cruelty appalled all the bystanders, and a shout of pity arose in the crowd. But the sorrowful and compassionate mother intervened by her prayers and asked the Eternal Father not to permit this boundless outrage to happen in the way that the executioners had intended. She commanded her holy angels to come to the assistance of their Creator. When, therefore, the executioners raised up the cross to let it fall with the crucified Lord face downward upon the ground, the holy angels supported him, and the cross above the stony and fetid ground so that his divine countenance did not come in contact with the rocks and pebbles. Thus, altogether ignorant of the miracle and executioners bent over the points of the nails, for the sacred body was so near to the ground, and the cross was so firmly held by the angels that the Jews thought it rested upon the hard rock. 676. Then they dragged the lower end of the cross with the crucified God near to the end of the hole, wherein it was to be planted. Some of them, getting under the upper part of the cross with their shoulders, others pushing upward with their halberds and lances, they raised the Savior on the cross and fastened its foot in the hole. They had drilled into the ground. Thus our true life and salvation now hung in the air upon the sacred wood, in full view of the innumerable multitudes of different nations and countries. I must not omit mentioning another barbarity inflicted upon the Lord as they raised him. For some of them placed the sharp points of their lances and halberds to his body, and fearfully lacerating him under the armpits, and helping to push the cross into position. At this spectacle, new cries of protest arose with still more vehemence and confusion from the multitude of people. The Jews blasphemed, the kind-hearted lamented, the strangers were astounded, some of them called the attention of the bystanders to the proceedings, others turned away their heads in horror and pity. Others took to themselves a warning from the spectacle of suffering, and still others proclaimed him a just man. All these different sentiments were like arrows piercing the heart of the afflicted mother. The sacred body now shed much blood from the nail wounds, which by its weight and the shock of the cross falling into the hole had widened. They were the fountains, now opened up to which Isaiah invites us to hasten with joy, to quench our thirst, and wash off the stains of our sins. No one shall be excused who does not quickly approach to drink of them, since the waters are sold without exchange of silver or gold, and they are given freely to those who will but receive them. 677. Then they crucified also the two thieves and planted their crosses to the right and to the left of the Savior, for thereby they wished to indicate that he deserved the most conspicuous place as being the greatest malefactor. The Pharisees and priests, forgetting the two thieves, turned all the venom of their fury against the sinless and holy one by nature. Wagging their heads in scorn and mockery, they threw stones and dirt at the cross of the Lord and his royal person, saying, Ah, thou who destroys the temple, and in three days rebuildest it, save now thyself. Others he has made whole, himself he cannot save. 
If this be the Son of God, let him descend upon the cross, and we will believe in him. The two thieves in the beginning also mocked the Lord and said, If thou art the Son of God, save thyself and us. These blasphemies of the two thieves caused special sorrow to our Lord, since they were so near to death and were losing the fruit of their death pains, by which they could have satisfied in part for their justly punished crimes. Soon after, however, one of them availed himself of the greatest opportunity that a sinner ever had in this world and was converted from his sins. This concludes our reading today for day number 259. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 22, paragraphs 671 to 677. Today in our reading, we again see how Mary and her heart is pierced by the sorrow, by witnessing all that is happening. No one can imagine how she truly felt in this moment so much suffering of her son, so much anguish for her. But what a beautiful line this was. But they were ignorant of the hidden mysteries, for the Lord during his passion had no greater source of consolation and interior joy than to see the soul of his most blessed mother, the beautiful likeness of himself, and the full fruits of his passion and death. Jesus, looking down from the cross, seeing his mother Mary, brought him great delight and consolation in this moment. There was a movie a few years ago called Resurrection. It was on Discovery Plus. It was produced by Roma Downey. And I had the opportunity to interview Roma about the movie Resurrection. And she said something very powerful that I'll never forget. She said that Mary stood at the foot of the cross so that Jesus could look down into the eyes of love. And truly... That's what Maria of Agreda really is saying here to us today. And then to hear the pain Jesus underwent, the fact that they stretched his arms to make it to the holes that they had augured. What pain that was. I don't know if I've ever thought about so much pain of Jesus. No Palm Sunday, no Good Friday will ever be the same now because of what Maria of Agreda is telling us. It should pierce our hearts. It should move us. And as we heard at the very end of our reading today about this thief who had the greatest opportunity that a sinner ever had in this world and was converted from his sins, well, this should be our opportunity to say, I don't want to sin anymore, Jesus. I don't want to cause your suffering. I don't want to cause your pain. And it moves us to thanksgiving to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering for me. Thank you, Jesus. Because of it, I'm forgiven. I have that promise of eternal life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.